Welcome to episode 006 of Uncontained. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and today's guest is comedian Cody Woods. Cody is one of the first interviews that I actually did for Uncontained. I sat down, talked with him before one of his shows at Tommy T's in Pleasanton, California, but there was way too much background noise on the recording, and the conversation was cut short because the show had to begin. We talked a few days after the show and recorded the interview you're about to hear. We discussed the tough crowd he dealt with that night, how he handles bombing, where he gets his material from, and tips on engaging a large audience he picked up from watching Jerry Seinfeld. Here's a little background on Cody Woods for those who have not had the chance to check him out. Cody is a young yet seasoned comic and has been headlining clubs and colleges across the nation. Cody can be seen featuring and headlining comedy clubs all over California and across the nation. He has regularly shared the stage with big names such as Todd Glass, Dave Attell, The Waynes, Eddie Griffin, Bruce Bruce, Tommy Davison, and Greg Proops. I hope you enjoy my conversation with comedian Cody Woods right here on episode 006 of Uncontained. Cody, good to have you back, man, uh, back on Uncontained. I, we did a little interview at Tommy T's. A little while back, but, you know, got interrupted by the show you were doing. How are you doing today? Doing good. I think this interview is uncontained. It has to go into uh, another time. I know. It just spills right over, man. It just spills right over into two segments. Yeah, it's just so uncontained. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You know, you're you're beating up on the name a little bit. Oh, I, I'll allow it. Like- I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> I like it. It's a good name. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, man, that the show the other night uh, at Tommy T's, you were talking about the late night crowd, not always the late night Friday night, Friday crowd, <laughs> not always being the best crowd. Yeah, I called it. But damn, I didn't know they'd be that bad. Holy shit. Um, yeah, just I, I forget exactly what happened because it's been a while now since that that's happened. But um it has been. It's been like I remember there was a guy jumping around like because it was his birthday and he was so shit faced, oh. you know. And then there was a bunch of people from Walnut Creek. Hmm. Yeah, I just I remember it being hell, and I could feel it as soon as I got on stage, and um, I knew at that point like it was going to be every second of it was going to be work, and um, that sometimes sucks when you figure that out you're like fuck like i have to fight for every second but it doesn't happen that often but those are that was one of those shows where i'm like i'm gonna feel this entire hour i'm gonna feel it yeah you did a good job sticking with it though man you didn't let them see you sweat (laughs) you know you didn't let them see you sweat too bad anyway right (laughs) sometimes you gotta let them see you sweat just to show that you're human you're not like this delusional guy who thinks he's doing great because that's also a big turnoff. Like, if you're just eating shit up there and the crowd, yeah. you know that we know you're eating shit. Why don't you at least address that? And then if you do, then it just sort of brings you on their level. Um, so you got to let, sometimes you do got to let them see you sweat. You got to let them know, like, ah, I'm not connecting with you guys. And I know it, but we'll figure it out. I remember the first time I saw it was like David Letterman. Like he had a joke that bombed and he just right after it, he was just like, ooh, bamo, <laughs> you know, just called it out right on the show during his monologue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, OK, make fun of yourself. That's the way to do it. That's the way, man, because then they can't bury you. And crowds are yeah. Like, um, it's like Rome. They really they do like to see bad things happen to people. When when people are in a group, they like to see someone suffer. It is entertaining, but if you if you're taking shots at yourself, then they they don't even have the privilege of uh, beating you down anymore. <laughs> so you just kind of take away from them. I always think it's a good technique. So I've heard people say, "No, no, you just got to stick to the script," and you know it's like cheating because you get a cheap laugh when you tell them you're bombing because usually they laugh when you yeah like i'm not doing it for the laugh i'm trying to reset their perspective i'm trying to let them know like hey just a dude up here we'll we'll, we'll bond somehow you know so that's that's why i kind of do it you know i don't know did i tell him i bombed that night i think i don't know what i was doing 
I I don't remember. I know you like I don't know. You actually had to take over the crowd a little bit. You know, had to like the you know how when the crowd starts getting out of control, or if you don't step up and do something, it's just gonna be mayhem for the night. Yeah. Like you had to. Uh, I don't know. One of the guys actually left slash got kicked out and then came back. Oh God. Or something. It was a guy whose birthday it was. Uh, like two guys had birthdays, and it was just guy was like a tanager kid on crack. Oh my god! See, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember that at all, man. I, I think I, my mind is blocking it out because I knew how painful it was. It would help if I didn't have you know familiar faces in the audience. So I had you up front too. So I was like, fuck, he, he's got to watch me work. <laughs> that I hate you know when it's all strangers and I really don't care about them um, that that always helps because my comedy comes from me being above the audience a tad bit so like when I start to look at familiar faces I'm like well no nah, I care about those people I know them so then then that whole group it just kind of gets a little bit more embarrassing but if I don't know them complete unfamiliar faces I, I try to really uh I try to really go against them. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you come from a little higher perspective from your comedy. Where does your comedy come from then? Is it like, like I'm a, where I'm judgmental. Uh, that's where a lot of my comedy comes. I'm like, I judge people basically, you know? Um, so I'm kind of on a pedal. I, I I'm, I'm on a high horse, you know? So, um, and what helps me sell that material is just treating people like they're dogs. And, um, and that was told to me when I first started comedy, you just got to treat people like your dog, like, like they're dogs and be very opinionated. And there's all kinds of ways to do comedy, but that's my way. And, um, okay. so like, you know, that always helps. But when I see someone I know, like I was saying, all that illusion of like, these people don't matter goes away. Cause now I'm like, no, I know that face. These are real people. Fuck. You know, then then it kind of reverses. Then I start to care, and that's that's uh, sometimes a bad thing when you start to care a little too much. So, yeah, it's always the worst when like you're having a show like that, and say like your mom's in the crowd or something like that, and it's like, oh shit, my mom's out there. I can't like make her feel like a like a dog, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, you know what? That actually happened maybe a couple months ago. I, I was in Oklahoma, and she drove down to Oklahoma to uh, – she lives in Kansas, so it's like an eight-hour drive. And I saw her in the back, and she was standing up watching, and it was just just the worst. I don't know why she needed to stand up like, like I'm here with you. Go through it. And I was doing okay, but she was definitely making it harder because, like, <laughs> you know, I do jokes about me losing my virginity in a – you know, happy ending parlor and shit like that. And then I look up and I see my mother's face. It's just ugh, like fucking get over yourself, mom. You're not a part. Of- Was that her first time finding out about that? I think she might have heard that one before. Um, I, for all she knows, I think she thinks that's just a joke. Uh, <laughs> as, long as-, <laughs> as long as she doesn't hear this podcast. <laughs> she doesn't understand comedy at all you know so for all she knows they're all lies like she doesn't get like one bit of comedy she it's oh she's the type that laughs at like uh like what is it she would drive through the snow and think it's hilarious when the the noise crunched that's it that would send her into hysteria she 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 laugh at crunching snow underneath the tires. Yeah, yeah. She found that like like that was gold. But then I'll show her. Hey, check out this is George Carlin. He's a really good comedian. She's like, I didn't. I don't care. So, okay, Seinfeld, Chris. Interesting. She just she doesn't laugh. She just stares at the thing. So. So obviously you don't get your humor from your mom. Is your dad a funny guy or? It was hilarious when he was around. He knew how to break the ice with humor. Like, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Hey, here's a joke. And it was, uh, I think I got it from him. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, yes, because it's normally from one parent or other, or like if there's neither of the parents are funny, you get it from somewhere else. I'm not sure where, but. My dad, uh, both my parents are weird, so <laughs> that helps out. Well, that, that'll cause a little bit of pain. You, I mean, if you know how to work with pain, then you're funny. 
I think some people have the funny genetic but didn't have enough pain and that takes them a little bit longer. I think it's the genetic of funny plus, you know, some pain and then that'll uh, that'll create good comedy. But that's my opinion. Genetic, funny and pain. All right. So what is your pain that motivates you? I'm not trying to make you cry here or nothing, but well, if you do, it's okay. Don't worry, I was crying earlier thinking about it. I'm over it. Um <laughs> so, I think uh, I think a lot of my pain comes from um, I, I have a general frustration with people, you know, and that I think that comes through in the comedy a little bit. I can't do it too much because the way I look, I mean, it looks like uh, it looks like things aren't going as bad for me, so I have to sort of lighten it up, you know, the way I deliver it. But uh, I generally uh, don't have a lot of respect for humanity, so I that usually um, comes through and that, that reason i don't have any respect for humanity i've just had a lot of people let me down and yeah it made me funnier so i i mean I'll, I'll take that that's fine and um yeah yeah weird dad alcoholic drug addict dad who'd never be around a uh, weird mother just just weird very weird very angry and weird mother who didn't laugh a lot and um uh and growing going to a mostly black school where i was like the white kid so I actually know what it's like to feel like a minority every day. So that kind of makes me like, I don't connect to white people very well because yeah, I actually know what it's like on the other side. But then at the other, at the other time, at the, at the same time, I don't connect with uh, non-white people the best because they think, Oh, you're a white guy. What do you know? You just, you just walk around with your privilege card and swipe it anytime you want free shit, you know? So it's, I feel, I feel like an outcast and I don't respect humanity. So that, that, and that does not sound funny at all, what I'm saying, but <laughs> a, uh, a really good recipe, I think, for, for comedy. Right on. Yeah, they, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they said pretty much all comedy comes from pain. Or maybe it's quite a few people who say it. I don't know. Have you ever seen comedy or Misery Loves Comedy? Misery Loves Comedy? I've been, is it a documentary? Yeah, it's a documentary by Kevin Pollack. Okay. He goes around and interviews a bunch of comedians, seeing where they get their inspiration from, and if it's comedy that makes people, the comedians, miserable, or misery that makes comics funny, or, or you know, just their story through it. Yeah, I'm sure it, it, there's plenty of like contradictions where one comic says this is the thing. And then another comic says, no, this is the thing that gets me. And then there's no real consistency to the formula. But no, no, but it's still interesting hearing all like the comics uh, talking about, uh, you know, where they get their background from, stuff like that. So I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah, I'm sure there's some trends, though. I mean, bad childhoods are always uh, really good, really good stuff. Yeah, people who get a lot of attention as a kid don't necessarily feel the need to step up on stage, you know? That's right. Yeah. See, now that was the reason why I started comedy is I just needed the attention, but I wasn't a developed comic. I didn't have any voice, so I didn't. Uh, it was strictly for attention and hearing laughter and feeling loved up there. But now it's uh, it's kind of evolved to now that now it's about what I'm saying, and now it's now it's about what I was just talking about earlier. You know, trying to express that shit and then get some laughs. Right on. Right on. How like how did you? How that evolution happen? Well, it just comes with getting better at comedy, you know, or at least wanting to get better. Um, I, I really just I wanted to have something to say, but I started comedy young, and what young person has anything to say? Like none of them. They're they're stupid. They're shit people. They have nothing to offer. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, like I look on Facebook, I still have some like young people that are somehow on my friends list either through shows or whatever and they they got nothing i mean they recycle thoughts they don't think of anything for themselves you know they they you know so they're just really bad and then so when i started comedy i knew how to be funny but i didn't know how to have anything to say or and you don't even necessarily have anything you don't need a message you just need a thing that just sets you apart and i mean after nine years now it's finally starting to come out because uh, I'm getting a little older and I've been doing it a while, you know, and went through some pain. Not a lot of young kids went through pain yet. 
No, no. You, and plus, you got to get that 10,000 hours before you're good at anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Even if you had a bad childhood, I don't think it sinks in until, like, you, you still have hope as a kid. You know, that's that's what you need. You need a you got to destroy your hope. Hope equals not funny. Absolutely. Oh, God. Have you ever hung out with rich people and the jokes that they crack? It's fucking terrible. Yes. Well, no, I don't hang out with too many rich people, <laughs> but I've heard some rich people jokes. I, I wish I hung out with more rich people. They could float me, you know, float me some cash now and again. <laughs> That's how dumb. Fund, Just real- fund my podcast. You know when you're hanging out with your oil buddies? I don't. <laughs> when I'm hanging out with the tycoons. <laughs> You know, yeah, I just realized that all I'm doing is basing my opinions off of rich characters I've seen on TV. <laughs> uh, see, I'm very quick to that, judge. That's good, right? That's basically reality. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's all... <laughs> Something somebody wrote. It is, it's got to be true, though. Uh, the Kardashians, that's how life is supposed to be lived. That's why you got to keep up with them. Yeah. I all this Kardashian bashing, I feel bad because it's like, dude, as if regular people have something to offer. Like if they were in the spotlight, like it, most people I know are just zilches. They got no, they got no take on anything, and they they're, they're Kardashians are just normal people who are at least good looking, but they're just as dumb as normal people. You know. Yes, I'm sorry to offend you about the Kardashians, Cody. I didn't mean to. I, I, please don't get upset. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Hey, oh man, he he found out I was a fan through my. Yeah, which one's your favorite Kardashian? I like uh, the one with uh, the last name Jenner. Still, I like the uh, Rebellion. Um, the uh, the one that used to be known as Bruce, or the other one, the uh, <laughs> who is Bruce um, is now the mother of. Yes, this one. is it Kylie or something like that, or I think it's Kylie. And she's, like, shockingly gorgeous. Like, really, I mean, she could make it on her own if she wasn't in that family. Like, that type of pretty. But yeah, never really mattered until now. And I'm like, that's impressive. Because she's got all the goods. But, you know what? That's all I know about those people. Yeah, and they like to date NBA basketball players. That's right. And, I'll, I, I, and conceited rappers. And conceited rappers. The most humble of people. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> and fucking Lamar, I'm I'm really glad he didn't die because I mean I'm just doing the math of a seven foot, well I think he's like seven foot tall black NBA player on eight Viagras. I don't think the casket could have closed. Um, that's <laughs> the priapism from hell. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, enough about Kardashians. I think they might need more publicity, though. At the end of our interview at Tommy T's, you were just starting to go on a little bit of a tangent about how, I believe, how cutthroat some of the comedy business is, and then you got cut off by the beginning of your show. Yeah. Uh, do you want to expand on that some? Yeah, absolutely. I would because uh, it's it's not true if you have. You have a belief in your head that there's some people that are supportive out there, or at least there's a lot of people. You just sort of attract those people, and by attract, I mean you just notice them. I don't believe in that stupid laws of attraction horseshit, but like you will notice them if you believe the secret. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just oh my god, there was some fucking idiot. I'm gonna go derive from the story here, or derail myself here. Um, <laughs> the there's a comic that posted something like, I want this BMW by the year 2045, you know? I'm just putting it out in the universe, you know, because that's how it works. You just speak it into existence. And they always have the dumbest, like, conclusions. Like, oh, if Mark Cuban said he was going to buy a Lamborghini one day, that's the reason it happened. It's like, no, entrepreneurial genius came first, and then he just told his wife, I'm thinking about buying a Lambo today because... <laughs> You got to let her know where you're going for the day. You know, it's so dumb anyway. But I do believe in at least some aspect of attracting things. And by attracting, I mean you noticing them because you didn't notice them before. You know, so if you believe there's some good people out there, um, it can help. You know, so I always have to kind of re-steer my, uh, my, the way I look at things. I have to just sort of reset 
and think, oh, you know what? There are some good people. And then I start to notice them again, you know? Yeah, I understand that. If you're you're saying there's always bad people out there, you notice the bad people more than the good people. Exactly. And then you read into good people way too far, and you, <laughs> you're like, oh, what does he mean by that? Uh, he's probably an <laughs> asshole, right? So um, that, that always helps because uh, he said, you know, that's Todd Glass says uh, there are lots of good people out there, and he's always surrounded by the funniest, most nicest, most professional comedians on every level from bottom like me to top like him and uh and i always wonder how does he how does he have all these friendships you know and it's because you know you just got to believe that there's good people out there so uh you know and that that always helps so i the business is cutthroat but i mean what isn't what business isn't uh people get away with it more in comedy and show business because there's no hr and uh you know you can take advantage of really desperate people so obviously there's a little bit more, but there's still plenty of awesome people as long as you start believing it again and you'll start to notice them. So. Okay. All right. So mainly it's not that because you think that people are good, that more people are good. It's just because you're on the outlook for them. You notice them more. And is that the philosophy you're saying? That's a philosophy Todd Glass takes. Yeah, I don't know if it's that's like per se like what he said, or I think what it is just there. He was arguing there's plenty of good people, and if you don't have your radar on, you're not gonna take time to gravitate towards any of those people, any of the good people. So just turn your radar on, and the way you do that is to just believe for a second that there's someone out there worth your while to work with, and then it's fine, you know. But I think most comedians struggle with this because in order to make good comedy, a lot of the time you have to not have a lot of respect for humanity. You have to not like humans. You got to notice, you know, a lot of our shittiness. You got to notice the negatives, you know, and that's what makes comedy a lot of the time. Yeah. You have to be able to switch gears and it's not very easy to do, you know, um, Cause I always stay in the fuck everybody mode. And then I'm like, dude, no, now you're off stage. You're not writing, you know, there's good people out there. And then what, what do you know? I meet some guy who's got uh, a furnace full of ambition and he's funny and he's cool. And then we work together later, you know, but if your radar is not on, I think people notice it too. They're like, Oh, that guy doesn't want to meet anybody. And then you look like an asshole. Yeah, and it fucks up their perspective. Now they think everybody's an asshole. <laughs> you just got to be able to turn it on and off, you know. Yeah, I hear you completely. I think I got everything in that. What I was saying before, I, I think I had more on that day, but then uh, that intro music came on in the comedy club, and I had to run downstairs to go bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and then you noticed every asshole in the club. Exactly. Yeah. It always helps to understand the audience. I mean, dude, yeah, if you go against them too hard, which I don't know, I have a feeling I might have did. If you go against people too hard, they will get, their shield will pop up and then you're fucked. So it always helps to understand the audience too. Don't let your uh, hatred or belittling of them um, uh, block you from understanding them. Usually like when people hate other people, it's because they don't understand them. It's like the opposite of understanding people. You know, like, hence racism, you know, shit like that. Um, you mean that's all about a misunderstanding? Well, no, I think also some people are just hateful or they like to hate because it feels good to hate. Let's just be honest. It feels really good to hate things. It just it does. It feels good to hate hating, too. That, too. Yeah. Right. It feels good to hate hating in front of other people because then you look really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you become liberal. Just like, oh. That is that's that's the recipe for liberal. <laughs> yeah. So, I sh- I probably should have understood those people more, you know, that night. Like, you know what? They're just tired and drunk. Like, this is how I would act. Uh, I I I wouldn't be able to have that much enthusiasm, you know. So, you know, once you understand that, they'll be like, oh, this guy, uh, he's just he's with us. And then I probably could have helped. That that could have helped, you know. You got to be able to switch gears, man. That's all it is. Right on, right on. Now, when uh, the roles are reversed and you're the one in the crowd, uh, when you're in the audience, do you 
do you feel that you reacted differently than the average audience member would since you know you've known the on stage aspect of it yeah i i don't boo quite as loud anymore (laughs) 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 i'm like booing my comic friends silent boos boo you know, if somebody's going to boo somebody on stage, it might as well be one of your friends, you know, that, that way, you know, they love you. Right. Um, you know what? I think I sit back and watch because I just like to analyze. So I guess I'm not the best audience member because anyone who's sitting back and analyzing, they're almost kind of disconnected, too, because they're so they're almost too much in tune with every detail to where they're not really taking it in the way they're supposed to. So. Usually when I'm watching comedy, I, I think it might look like I'm a, a snob, but it's really because I'm, I'm just studying, just wondering, like, oh, what would I do that in that situation? Or like, I see where he went with that joke. I saw where he got, how he got there, and not necessarily laughing as much. Yeah, not quite laughing as much. Um, the the, I, I became an audience member when I went to see Seinfeld. And um, that was, uh, by the way, I think he's the best comic I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I saw him like a few weeks ago or a month ago. Uh, And um, just the things that he was doing, even if I knew the tricks on how to engage the audience, he totally, it worked. It still works. If they're good techniques, they still work, even if I know what he's doing. Um, Like he was engaging the front row really well but also making the back rows, which is Pantages Theater, really far back. It's a huge theater. Uh, he's keeping them engaged, too, and that's the big challenge about big venues. How do you keep the back engaged? So what he would do is he would get low. He would squat. He'd almost squat when talking to the front row. But then he would go back to neutral, and when he's playing the middle to the back of the room, he's standing up straight and normal. So what happens is... Uh, subconsciously you feel like he's talking to you every time he's standing upright, which is 90% of the time. So it was a really clever trick. And I was like, God, that's, that's fucking good. That is, that is, I, I would have never thought of that. Yeah. I was, I was watching him like a hawk, but he's so good. He still put me into the show. So, but I mean, I don't know. I think that's just because at this point, maybe only four, 30, 40 year veteran comics can get me into the audience mode again. Yeah. And I think some of it has to be your mindset too, as like going back to the switching gears thing. Cause like I haven't been on stage for a while, but, and I am looking to get back up there and do some stand up comedy. But when I was actively doing it, I'd always be analyzing, dissecting and stuff. And then I had to, mentally switch be like okay you're an audience member now try quit doing that and just watch the show like don't call out all the magic tricks right <laughs> yeah that's true man um i don't i think it's possible to do that I, usually alcohol helps me do it and then just sort of um chatting with the comics before they're set that that sometimes helps like if i'm at an open mic working out you know sometimes it helps just sort of hit it off with the guys you know hey how you been it helps me uh, get away from that stupid analyzing shit that I do, because yeah. now I'm just excited to see them, you know, uh, excited to see them do a set, you know, hoping they do well, which is the same emotions you feel when you spend over eighty dollars for a Seinfeld ticket. You're like, fuck, I hope he does well, because this is a lot of money, and yeah, and he's, uh, you know, also I'm excited I get to see him in person. So those emotions always help, you know. He is one that I would like to get to see sometime before, you know, before he's done doing stand-up. I'm lucky enough where I got to see George Carlin. Oh, man, I'm so jealous. Back in the day. That was, I feel lucky for that one. He even, like, debuted some new material that he had to read. He's like, uh, he asked permission to read, like, his new joke off cue cards, like, in his hand. That's so interesting. He's been known to do that. You know, to when he tries material, he will flat out read the shit. Well, because it is so intricate, too. You know, it's like like he was talking about, you're probably sick and tired of things I hate. Want to hear some things I love? Plane crashes. The more deaths, the better. The more women and children on board, the better. Like, 
basically just goes on this like 10 minute rant of all these things of natural disasters and airplane crashes and good stuff, you know, with all, all little details. So it's like a 10 minute bit that, you know, if he's only done it once or twice, mm-hmm. I could see. And he wants to get that quality of it, too. He doesn't want to stumble over it. So, yeah. If it wasn't something new when he was doing one of his old jokes off cue cards, it'd be like, dude. Wait, what the fuck? He does seven dirty words. He's like, number five. (laughs) (laughs) Tits. (laughs) They sound like a snack. Like, here, have some cheese tits. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I wish I could have saw him. He died, like, right the month of going to the Mountain View, uh, was it Ampli- No, it was Shoreline Amphitheater. He was supposed to be somewhere in the Bay Area, and I was living in that city, and I think he died that month. Oh, man, that's harsh. Yeah. Same thing happened to Patrice O'Neill. He was supposed to be in the Bay Area. He died like the week or month before, and uh, or he had the stroke. He, it took a while for him to die. But Yeah. It's a bummer. And then another one I wish I could have seen, another great comedian, Robin Williams, you know, like I'm not from out here, so I didn't get a chance to really see him a whole lot being in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's a bummer. I never got to see him live either. I I met him twice, you know, and it was it, you still want him to go on stage. Like, is there is there is there like a magic that I'm missing? And I have a feeling there is. There probably is like a magic where you just won't find that anywhere else. Yeah. Speaking of which, I had to do a uh, Halloween show, and we had to do a uh, we had to do a uh, impressions of your you know some passed away comedian, and um, I was there to support another comic, but because no one could do their time completely because it was so difficult doing someone else, that the show was running short because everybody got off stage early. Oh, you did a whole set as, like, a passed away comic. Yeah, so then people were like, fuck, I like bailing after one minute because it's so weird. Um, so then I was like, well, I can do Robin Williams. And then they're like, okay, cool. Go ahead and close it out. And I'm like, fuck, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I've never actually done my Robin Williams impression on stage, you know, and I've never done, I've never tried. It's very difficult. And then uh, a lot of energy and a lot of hair and dumping water on you. That's yourself. right. Yeah. First, it was the hair. I had to find some Persian woman to rip to <laughs> off her chest. Um, but you know, it was hard actually. Uh, was the speed of it, and then I started to realize just how much tighter my set could be because what I did was I did my material and some new jokes as Robin Williams, and then I realized like, fuck, this dude is delivering them better than me. Like, they they do better as Robin Williams. Really? Yeah, I was like, Fuck. wow. I'll upload the video as soon as I get it. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to check that out. Um, I, I just remember the first time, like, my friends were like, I got a Robin Williams stand-up DVD. That was before I really knew any of his uh, stand-up. Like, I knew, like, say, you know, Miss Doubtfire and, like, Hook and stuff like that. Like, all the, like, the kitty movies that he played. I was like, well, that's got to be good. Then I saw it, and I was, like, just blown away. I was like, who is this crazy, hairy, sweaty man? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just changed, it just changed, changed my world as far as stand-up goes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that guy is riddling bit. Because uh, I, I dealt with that as a kid. I was taking Ritalin, and he just knew exactly what it was like. You know, and it's just the most beautiful bit, you know. He went from going crazy with ADD in the bit, and he's like, he's about to put his hamster in the microwave. (laughs) And the ADD, the Ritalin kicks in, and he's just like, oh, nothing's funny anymore. I am now responsible. Everything is slow. (laughs) It's just, it's so, it's exactly what I was going through as a kid. It was uh, amazing. Wow, yeah. I I never had the thrill of Ritalin or anything like that. I probably could have been diagnosed for it, but never really got tested for ADD. Um, they didn't want to put me on any more medication uh, because I was already on medicine for like a seizure disorder. 
and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, man, that stuff is. Uh, I I hear it's meth, basically that Ritalin. So I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, yeah, like for people who don't like need it, just speeds them up. For people who do need Ritalin, it like slows them down, you know. Mm. But. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. When I was working at a strip club, people would be like, oh, dude, I need to get that Adderall. I need to get that uh, Ritalin from people who didn't need it. And they'd just be like tweaking on it. Yeah, it's so weird. A strip club. Like, ah, I got a term paper. Drugs at a strip club? No way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's the type of high that I don't want at a strip club. Yeah, no, no. I I prefer the chill out highs. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's always nice. Although, I, okay, well, I don't want to generalize. I mean, chill out highs at the strip club, you say? Is that what you're saying? Or just in general? Just in general. I just, well, with the seizures, I don't mess around with, like, coke or anything like that. Because that speeds up your brain. And seizures are like a lightning storm in your brain. And I don't need that going with you. Right. You know, working together. Uh, but. Gotcha. Okay. See, I always, uh. When I was a kid, I was always up and wired and stuff, and that's what Ritalin did is it slowed me down. And then, um, But as an adult, since I still have a hard time focusing, but it's now uh, more of a lethargic effect to where, oh, fuck, I can't do this. I just keep getting tired. I can't focus. I'm tired. And then the Ritalin, when I was taking it, would uh, give me the energy, and it picked me up, and that huh. was awesome. And then I realized that cocaine's probably good, and then I did that. did it help you know even the cocaine helped yeah i get it like when i when i did the cocaine it was uh i was like fuck man this is pretty good you know but it's just too short and uh but i did like that feeling i would pray to a higher deity like if there's a way of just turning me into the cocaine version of myself i think i could be successful in this world please let this happen like, let me just be natural cocaine Cody. But <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine Cody. Yeah. I, I always wondered, like, if people with, like, severe ADD or ADHD did cocaine, if it would, like, mellow them out since or or meth, too. You know, if it mellows people with ADHD out opposed to, you know, um, making them all hyper like Ritalin, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the big difference. The ADHD is the hyperactive one. And that's where, you know, Ritalin can slow you down. And because I had ADHD as a kid, which oftentimes goes into ADD as an adult, um, that's where that whole switch effect happens. So like Ritalin doesn't, doesn't slow me down anymore. Now it picks me up. But I really wonder if you give cocaine to an ADHD kid, what's going to happen. I think that's where we're getting at. (laughs) Yes, yes. Experimentation. Come on. This has to be done. Uh, researchers worldwide, listen up. Heck yeah, man. The kids are. Man, there'd be so many like uh, people yelling about that. You can't give cocaine to a kid. Yeah. It's going to do it on his own. <laughs> I'm going to do the same uh, argument that people against Ritalin do. It's like, oh, you're just... You're just all for the pharmaceutical companies. They're not not for anything outside of pharmaceuticals for a cure. Same old shit. I hate those people where they're just like, uh, oh, like ADD was fake and all this, all their stupid memes. You know, they've done science uh, on this shit. There's less front science. Bitch. Done science. That always sounds smart. I've done science, <laughs> but they ADD people have less frontal lobe activity. You know, so I mean, it's proven, you know, and whether, really? yeah, and it's, I think it could be more prevalent now. I know it's been overdiagnosed, but I also think more people with ADD exist also. I mean, we, we, we eat shit, we watch TV. Like, I think I was the starting generation of just, just fucking the worst way to raise your kid. Like, here's some electronic device to stare at that you'll get hooked at and here's some sugar, you know, <laughs> it's like, of course his brain's weird. Here's your Super Nintendo and some Mountain Dew. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't he get his homework done? Because Timmy's tweaking in the corner. Exactly. Especially poor people. Poor people that have kids. How are you gonna ha- How are you gonna give them a healthy diet? You can't. Like it's so expensive, you know, to eat healthy. I mean, not really. Actually, that's a myth. But um, it is more expensive than going like dollar menu. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
but yeah, I understand dollar menu. I think it's because also the poor parents are so tired. You know, you're like, fuck, I need to, I need to feed my kid, and I don't have a lot of money, but I'm too tired to cook. Dollar menu, and then yes, thank you, McDonald's slash Burger King. <laughs> and then after fifth grade, you start to realize, well, shit. But at least I don't have to pay for college for this kid. He's got no hope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's harsh. That's harsh, but funny. It's all about keeping it positive, man. You gotta look at the it. Thoughts. Is it is the silver lining, man? You gotta find that shit. The good silver lining, right there. No, I have ADD because my uh, mother ate hot dogs when uh, she was a kid. When she was a kid, pregnant with me, basically too she was too young to have me. Didn't have any education. Didn't have a job. You know, no way to raise me. And she was eating bullshit. You know. So it was just constant hot dogs. So it gets, it's like, what are hot dogs? Pig assholes drenched in chlorine, you know? And <laughs> Chicken lips and assholes. Yeah, let's give them to them at his most fragile state. And she wonders why I didn't get, you know, chores done. You know? <laughs> it's like. Because I was nurtured on hot dogs in my natal times. Yeah. Granted, I was also an asshole. But still, still, I think a lot of it had to do with that, you know. That whole thing. You're the first hot dog baby I've heard of. I've heard of crack babies. I've heard of meth babies. But you're the first hot dog baby I've heard of, Cody. First hot dog baby. Yes. I think that's what... I think you'll find a lot in the Midwest, man. That's that's what... I am from the Midwest, my friend. Yeah? Yeah, I'm from Iowa. Iowa. I'm from Kansas. About smack dab in the middle of the U.S. In the Midwest. Okay. I think Iowa's... What northeast of Kansas a little bit, right? Yeah, it's right. Uh, yeah, northeast of Kansas, just a little bit, just uh, west of uh, Illinois. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Iowa. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, escape the cornfields and floods to drought. Nice man. There you go. Is it flat over there too? It's pretty flat until you get to like the northeastern corner of Iowa. There's uh, some some pretty good hills, but there's no mountains or anything. It's definitely one of the flyover states. You know what? I never understood uh, the the appeal of mountains and hills until living in you know area with all of that. But at first, when I moved to California, I didn't like how contained it felt because you couldn't see as far. Ah, uh, yes, I I get that. I get that. No. I think it had an effect on me. But now it's the other way around. If I go to see too many planes, if I see my neighbor pissing in his backyard, you know, from two miles down, <laughs> that really makes you feel like nothing. Yeah, man. There there are a couple things I miss, though, like uh, lightning, thunder, and uh, also lightning bugs. Dude, those aren't out here either. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those. Those are great. I remember as a kid, like, crushing their glowingness on your like finger so it looked like you had like a lightning bug ring or something glow in the dark stuff i'm sure that was good for you that's right yeah we used to do that yeah we used to take their lighting shit out of their bodies Mm -hmm. which and put it on ours yeah which i think honestly helped them out you know from predators they got this big neon sign saying eat me on their tail yeah yeah it's not the best design for stealth, but <laughs> it's like that fucking missile that was being tested in Santa Cruz. Uh, incognito. Did you see that missile over there? Uh, I did not. Okay. So I every- I heard a little something, but it looked creepy on 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 the uh, computer. I was looking at it. I didn't. Uh, that's what World War Three is going to look like. I don't know. I didn't hear a whole lot about it. I just heard like missile Santa Cruz testing you know basics what was going on with that well yeah they're, you know they're, ta- they're testing the thing that carries the missile so there's no missile in there but this thing carries this other thing and this other thing that gets shot out has four missiles in it so this that was the uh basically it was like a van with a skateboard in it so like the, what we saw was the van and then it shoots out a skateboard which has uh four missiles on it wow it's like a matryoshka doll of death yeah exactly 
Thank you. That's so much more. That's better. A van and a skateboard, and then you hit. That. <laughs> in a van. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it explained to me by this guy about how they work. So, was it a van salesman? Yeah. <laughs> A van and missile uh, emporium here in LA. It's the, it's actually the number two van and missile emporium in all of Southern California. Really? Wow, that, that's <laughs> impressive. Man. That's quite the title. Yeah. How many of them are there now? I think there are eight. I think there's eight. <laughs> but yeah, it's number two. <laughs> They're all next to each other. It's weird. Did you see that Uber driver get um, smacked up? Yeah, yeah, like by Colonel Sanders or something. Oh, that too. Yeah, that also. Yeah, I saw your video on uh, on YouTube, uh, Filth Cake. Oh, thank you, man. That that one was funny. It made me laugh. At first, I was like, "Why did Why did he send me a link to uh, this news story about it?" Then I like hung out for a little bit. I was like, "Oh shit, Colonel Sanders in the back of that." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if people are gonna get it because the guy that the original real person that did it was a Taco Bell executive. I thought it was Chipotle. Uh, it, it ends up it's Taco Bell because Taco Bell's uh, headquarters is in Orange County. Okay. Yeah, so some Orange County frat douchebag, you know, got the job through friends, obviously. And uh, he got drunk and slapped the shit out of this guy. And uh, yeah, From the backseat, reaching around, just punching him in the head. Yeah, right on the ear. It was, and then the noise the guy made. I, I don't know. I hope I don't make that noise when I get hit. <laughs> fucking embarrassing he's like, eh. like, eh. Eh. <laughs> that makes you want to hit somebody like if you act let's say you hauled off and slap somebody and then you felt bad you're like oh no why did i do that but then they go eh. you're like well oh, i'm gonna hit him some more <laughs> stupid noise <laughs> you deserve to be hit for making that noise fucker <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so then i was watching it and i was like oh that looks like fernando so i hit up fernando like, let's just shoot this real quick maybe we could uh, get some hits off of this tragedy but uh it didn't work i think we're setting at like 250 hits it'll catch on hopefully you need to do like a, a ronald mcdonald one yep. um like a jack-in-the-box one yeah that's what we're yeah. doing exactly exactly what we we're supposed to do but we didn't have time we wanted to put out a video immediately uh, but, you know, what we'll probably do is just get uh, – we do have the Ronald McDonald costume. We didn't realize how hard it is to do his face paint. We're just like, yeah, you just paint his mouth red and his nose. It's like, do you have to have, like, detail? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to try to do that and then put Jack in the box. Like, they're all going to just keep fucking with the same driver. <laughs> <laughs> just have the driver be like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this poor guy. We're just taking advantage of his situation. But oh well, that's what you gotta do. You get a popular channel. You gotta spoof shit. Maybe do some pranks. People love to Google pranks. And then you could finally do the sketches you want to do, which nobody gives a shit about. What other sketches and like what other uh, type of things do you have going on on Filth Cake? We have a we have an ad. We have a fake ad happening for a white privilege lotion. So you apply it, and uh, everything works out for you. We're just about done shooting that. And um, we got another sketch coming out called uh, Slurry. Might take a while to hit that one. But it's like Surrey, but because if you're drinking and driving and Surrey doesn't understand what you're saying and you end up crashing into a telephone pole, uh, that's why we have Slurry. And you just say what you need to, where you need to go, and Slurry will take you exactly where you need to go. And you can drive safely drunk on the, on the freeways. Slurry, understand your drunken gibberish. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a whole bunch of shit. And then we got like a DUI CSI. Something like that. No, not DUI, but like like a CSI team that helps out. Helps you find exactly what happened to you. Just see what happened the last night when you like black out from drinking or what? Yeah, yeah. They They put together evidence, you know, like you have a bloody goat in your fucking living room and a hooker. You're like, what did happen? You were a Cubs fan and uh, wanted to end the Billy Goat curse. <laughs> so you butchered a goat and then felt disgusted with yourself, so you fucked a hooker. Wow, that's really good, man. I, I could be part of this uh, drunken blackout CSI team. Yeah, man. Dude. <laughs> you got a gift. It is, it is. A gift and a curse, my friend. 
I have been asking one question yeah. at the end of each show. How do you live your life uncontained or name one time in your life where you've lived your life uncontained? I'll be, I feel like I'm extre- I'm uncontained constantly. Uh, I wish I could contain actually that's, I'm jealous of people that can contain. And I feel like most do. Um, and I think, uh, the term uncontained is probably very interesting because most people, they're, they're, they're able to, and they feel they're supposed to contain themselves, which I don't at all. I have no desire to, um, I, w- I feel you. I wish I had the desire to. That's as much desire as I have. I wish I had the desire to contain myself, but I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it the ADD or is it? Uh... Yeah, it's a general lack of focus, um, being overwhelmed at very minute, stupid shit, and just becoming a baby about it. Uh, and let's see, what else? Uh, pursuing a, a really uh, um, crazy career that that is completely un- unpredictable with the benefits of zero 401k no social security nothing like that but you get you, you can party and you know there's sex and drugs if you want to go that route like that's the benefits and then cocaine you, cody and cocaine you could do all that and then once you realize that that shit is death then you're fucking willing <laughs> Now you're just here. No, now the benefit is is that you look cool because you do a crazy job, and that's about it. That's the only benefits I get. Is I look cool because I do a crazy job. But- All right, sounds good, dude. Uh, thanks again for uh, talking with me here, and uh, have a good one. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to my guest, Cody Woods, and make sure you stop by his website, codywoods.net, and check out his upcoming tour dates. Along with other media on there, you can see videos of stand-up shows and also skits from uh, his Filth Cake crew, who he also does the Filth Cake podcast with. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you rate, review, and share in iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts in. Once again, thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.